Almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. It's sipping time. I do believe it is definitely sipping time. Welcome to the Sips episode where everything good in life is worth discussing. We are the best thing on at 2 a.m. And we thank you for choosing to listen to us instead of Celestial Melodies of the Lute with Demetrio Papados. Opa! <laughs> I'm uh, one of your hosts here at the table. Good old boy, Mike. Joining me is good old boy Jason. Good to be here. Uh, good old boy Harmeet. Wonderful day to be alive. <laughs> and made man Bob. Good to be here as always. Now, Bob and Harmeet are joining us for the Bourbon uh, Mafia, which we'll learn a little bit more about at the end of the show again today. This episode of Sip, Suds, and Smokes is sponsored by Fine Spirits. Check out the Enomatic machines to sample great products by the glass, including great selections of bourbon and whiskey. You can reach them online at www.finespirits.net. I keep on wondering what it would be like for those, you know, people at the Enomatic machines. It's like, uh, you know, oh, look, Helga, if you press the button, it spits out wine into the glass. <laughs> <laughs> I deal with every day. Oh, I know. Half is spit out wine. The other half spit out whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is very good wine. <laughs> the greatest machines ever. I have like these little old ladies in my head using those. Anyway, so. Well, sober people will press the buttons and forget to put the glass underneath. The so they've, mm -hmm. they've failed the basic skill requirement, huh? <laughs> so, there you go. Well, our sip segments are all about wine, distilled distilled spirits tea and coffee and apparently i can't pronounce anything today we're covering a private bottle or independent bottling company the classic cask and today we have some really great products uh, that we're going to get to over we'll actually spend a moment to discuss the variation and distribution and then charge right into these products today as we'll be tasting and rating them i'm going to maintain my track record of Pretty much butchering the pronunciation of these and then everyone else is going to correct me correct right and the pronunciation <laughs> of the word pronunciation <laughs> right <laughs> probably see i'm i'm gonna at least maybe maintain consistency. maybe uh the pronunciation of distilled spirit right correct i completely butchered at least four or five <laughs> things already i probably didn't say enomatic correctly either so <laughs> Can you see how a Zay? Well, so we have uh, several products that we're going to go over today, and here's that list. Um, it's uh, Mortlock 11. Wow, no correction. Well awesome. done. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm going to oh. just give myself a round of applause when I'm just getting, getting, self, getting <laughs> out of myself. All right, here I go. Bunahaben, 22 year. Opa. Oh, there um, they go. I, I got that one right. Okay. Uh, Bumor. 11 year 
Ooh, they're not correcting me. This is good. Glenn Keith, an 11-year, and Glenn Lucy, a 21-year scotch, are the products that we're going to go over for today. And I got through those after probably 20 hours with my addiction coach for this week. (laughs) (laughs) So... Well, I've asked Bob to cover some background on independent uh, bottling in general. So, Bob, take it away. Uh, The world of independent whiskey bottling companies can seem confusing, especially when in your whiskey journey. However, a few pieces of basic information can help. This opens up a huge new corner of the industry and offers many more products to choose from and taste. Essentially, these companies buy casks from the distilleries or send them empty casks to be filled and stored and then choose which cask and when to bottle and release them. The final product has all the original distillery character, but is also completely unique. Uh, The independent bottler may release whiskeys of different ages to that of the original distillery's whiskeys or finish the spirit in different casks. Quantities of some releases could be as low as they may choose just to release a single cask with the number of bottles being dependent on the size of the cask. Uh, Independent bottled whiskeys generally offer good value for the money especially when considering the rarity of the liquid and can be found in most specialist whiskey retailers, including fine spirits of Cooper City. Uh, The choice of different independent uh, bottlers is staggering, and the amount of products that they uh, produce is highly diverse. Uh, Harmi, what are some of those companies? Well, thanks for uh, giving me this task. These are a lot of companies. There's a lot of information here. And... um, Let's let's do it alphabetically. I think that's how we have it uh, set up. Let's do. Uh, is that start. a basic skill requirement as well, Harmeet? Yeah. <laughs> if you put this stuff into a spreadsheet and you say sort, it's done for you. You don't ah, have to think. I know. Such a difficult so, thing for me to get uh, to maintain. Well, let's hear about them. Good skills. Ada Rattray or Rattray. I. You can both. Beat me on that one. I'm not sure how to pronounce them. I don't actually have any whiskeys. <laughs> I'm not going to let that curveball. <laughs> Rattray was um, uh, founded in the 1860s by Andrew Dewar and William Rattray, and um, he was known as Dewar Rattray. Now it's A.D. Rattray. Um, they. They are independent bottlers, and uh, I don't really know any of the brands that they cast, but uh, supposedly they have some good reviews. Uh, the next one is Douglas Lang, which I'm more familiar with. That was started back in '48 by Frederick Douglas Lang. They uh, also put out great whiskeys like uh, the Old Particular Range and Big Pete and the King of Scots blend. Recently, however, uh, the sons of Douglas Lang... Dougie Jr. and, or sorry, is it Frederick and Stuart? So Frederick Jr. and uh, Stuart, they split up. So we've got Douglas Lang and now Hunter Lang. We'll have that one later. But uh, going alphabetically, we have Duncan Taylor. That's one you may have heard of as well. They started in the 30s and they do a lot of uh, export for the USA. Duncan Taylor has the largest privately held collection of rare casks in the world, they say. Hmm. This is according to their, their, uh, pro, their PR people. I'd like to be in that room. Yeah, mm-hmm. they have about 200 whiskeys a year they produce. And one of the ones that you probably know is the award-winning Big Smoke. And then we've got uh, Gordon McPhail. 
These guys put a whole bunch out as well. They're in Elgin. They were started in the 1890s. They have a, a huge, uh, huge uh, catalog of whiskeys they put out. I see a lot of them on the shelf here in yeah. the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the largest independent bottles in Scotland with over 300. And they also own Ben Romach Distillery. Did they order another? Did they own another distillery? Does anyone know? I think they they, they bought somebody else besides Ben Romach as well. Yeah, I believe they do. Um, I can't put my finger on it. Yeah, but these guys put out some good quality stuff. They're they're uh, when we get to the retail portion, I I know some more of their things. And what else do we have? There's pages of this. Oh, back to Hunter Lang. Hunter is the newest indie distiller. You know, again, split off from Douglas Lang. And they have the old malt cask and old rare. And Stewart has a new venture by his two sons, Andrew and Scott. And they're putting out the imperial 18-year-old classic malt now. Mm-hmm. See, the other thing that you um, that we count as uh, private bottling is retailers. Uh, a lot of the whiskey specialist retailers in the UK are, are doing their own private bottlings and selling them. Didn't you guys? You guys did a private bottle show, right? Or, or private cask for American whiskeys. That's kind of similar. So the Whiskey Exchange puts out one. Master of Malt, uh, the Berry Brothers and Rudd, they do theirs. The Royal Mile Whiskey Shop, they have their own. And um, I don't know Maison du Whiskey. I don't, I don't think I've heard of them. And Milroy's of Soho, yeah. Milroy's of Soho, I've heard of, and they're doing a single cask range. But uh, you know, you know the people in New York. Uh, who is it? Um, uh, Park Avenue Liquors does it a lot. Even Fine Spirits did a couple of those. Hmm. And then you've got people like the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, who I love. The Scotch Malt Whiskey Society was started in '83, and so it's basically a private club. You can't buy their whiskeys generally in a retailer. You have to join them, and they bottle between 150 to 200 casks a year in Edinburgh. And the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society have members' rooms in Edinburgh and London. You can stop by when you're a member. And they have branches in Asia, Australia, and Europe. And in the U.S., their main office is not even 10 miles from my shop in Sunrise, Florida. It's a mile from my house. I am (laughs) so happy. And you know now where Bob's problem comes from. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, going down the list again, Signatory. These guys, uh, I know, I, I know in their older uh, bottlings, they have a very sig- uh, um, a, a, a very uh, I can't think of the word now. You, it's easy to see their spot their stuff on the shelf. It's in a silver tin with this signatory. Uh, yeah, their logo's pretty. Logo's huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I see a lot of this on the shelf here in the U.S. as well. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of signatory. So they're easy to find. They're, they put out uh, about 50 different ones, and they have three main ranges. They have a cast strength. They have a non-shield filtered. And uh, they also own uh, Edredauer in the Highlands. They opened it in 2002, or they, they bought it in 2002. And then there's Weems Malts. These guys I haven't seen in Florida. Um, they put out a few. There's a, a gin they put out, and they have... Uh, 
They have brands from Australia and France. And they're all owned by the Weems family. And they're... Is, are, are they from... Um, where are they from? Fife? Is that it? Yeah. And they also produce stuff with estate-grown barley, which is very rare, far and few between. And then we have got William Cadenhead. Cadenhead you'll find a lot, uh, but all the United States as well, but I haven't seen any in Florida, that one. That's Scotland's oldest independent bottling company. Mm-hmm. I've and- seen it as some tastings, but um, I have, I've only seen uh, a cognac of theirs. Uh, available here in the states, so, but I do know that it is available at some tastings. Yeah, they started in the 1800s as well, 1842, and they were family owned until the 70s. So those are some of the ones that that uh, you know that are out there now, and they also own Springbrank in Campbelltown now. Hmm. Well, you know, Jason, this really strikes me as really creating a lot of you know possible brand confusion for consumers Mm -hmm. do you think that is the case at all i mean uh, i mean even as much as i knew about a lot of these independent bottlers i even think it's very difficult landscape to to get through do you find any confusion for the average consumer i there's a lot of confusion i mean even someone (coughs) like me who consumes a lot i mean it's confusing for me i mean you could go to a store and find about 30 or 40 different versions of one type of scotch on the shelf and they're all you know, very similar in age, but they're all different colors. There's not a lot of information because a lot of bottlings are one-offs. So, yeah, it can get very, very confusing. It's it's hard waters to navigate through. Mm. Um, so I know that you and Harmi kind of both work a lot of the you know retail sector and see a lot of things. Do you see that retailers actually, you know, stock both the brand name as well as the independent bottling label? Yes, yes, they do. Now, I would say that most retailers keep the brand name more than the independent bottlers, um, especially in our region. A lot of those independent bottlers are, uh, you know, somebody will come in, they, they want to have a bunch of different scotches in their house, or they have a scotch room, and they'll put in uh, special orders for some of these private bottlings. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, the retailers do stock a lot of both. But like mm. I said, the brand names is usually what you find more than the independent. I wonder bottling. if they put them side by side. You know, kind of like Walgreens does, like the private store brand and then the name brand right beside it. You know, and a lot of people do. Um, huh. You know, you kind of go both ways. So like, there could be like a Macallan uh, Twenty Five, and there could be an independent bottling of Macallan Twenty Five, and they'll be right next to each other. Wow! And then some stores will actually put all the independent bottlers. Uh, together on their own section mm-hmm. to kind of like try to stop the confusion because a lot of people will pick up you know an independent bottling you know and i'm using mccallan 25 as the example and they're expecting the same thing that they get out of a normal brand name mccallan 25 but they're very drastically different a lot of the time mm-hmm. so well harmony you see a lot of this play out right there in the store i'm curious what do you what are the choices that you make both in shelf management as well as how do you see consumers kind of navigate some of this space? Well, we we do the um, we do a little bit of both, just like Jason was saying. And it, you, you you try to keep them by price as well. You can't put a, a, a independent bottler, twenty five year old or twenty one year old Macallan, right next to the original stuff because for whatever reason, Macallan is selling for astronomical prices and. For a third that, you can get a 25-year-old by a spay malt, let's say. That's Gordon and McPhail. <coughs> they put out 
female. They saved McAllen's bacon a couple hundred years or a hundred years ago when McAllen was going to go out of business. So they are allowed to buy McAllen and do a private bottling of it. And they actually, McAllen tells them that they have to use 100% sherry casks and all that stuff. So hmm. they don't make drastically different, but it's close enough and it's less than a third the price. So I don't put those on the shelf next to each other often. Wow, that's a major price variation uh, for sure. Is that is that 30, 30% spread kind of a common, uh, or does it even get broader You know, than 30% spread between the name brand? No, no, brand it's 300%. It's not thirty percent. It's three hundred. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. This is that's that's on the very high end. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you're let's let's take a Glenlivet twenty one. I've got a, a regular Glenlivet twenty one right now in Florida goes for close to hundred dollars, <throat> and the uh, a private bottler maybe about twenty to thirty dollars less. Hmm. And sometimes the private bottlers are more because like a signatory puts out an eleven euro Kalila, which Kalila doesn't do. And it's much more expensive than their 10-year-old Kalila because the rarity of that cask and the flavors are phenomenal. And um, I have one of my favorites is a Gordon McPhail put out uh, cast strength Kalila. And hmm. it's a 10-year-old that goes for $100. Kalila doesn't even come close to that in price. It does sound tasty. Mm. is amazing. Mm. Well, you know... It's uh, it's interesting, you know, conversation talking about the myriad of choices here and, you know, how do the consumers navigate this, you know, as well as the retailers really seeing, you know, how people uh, kind of respond to all this. Well, uh, I want to kind of get uh, get to our products here today. We're uh, let me check on some time here. See if we got time. No, nope. we're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to come back and uh, then we'll charge right into some products. So we'll be right back in just 20 seconds. Hey, welcome back to Celestial Loot Classics with Dimitri. <laughs> I mean, I would think that, you know, People that like to hear lute music would want to learn about scotch. So I'm thinking that we have close audiences, you know, between the two shows. So I think you might have to explain what a lute is. is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll drink a lot of more scotch. I'll tell you later, Jason. <laughs> it's a guitar. Uh, let's see. Uh, so uh, we're definitely going to get right to our products today. Uh, Harmie, uh, you're going to get the honors of going over our SIPS ratings for today. All right. Well... We'll start with uh, rating number one. Let me just preface this by saying last night my uh, <laughs> wife made me take her to a country music festival. And in honor of her, I'm going to do this like that. Give me a glass of water and wash out my mouth. A <laughs> little, little too close in character. <laughs> Sips rating number two. Nice. Nice. But what else do you have? Well, isn't that nice? Three sips. Hmm. Interesting. What was this again? Interesting. Four sips. 
Let's keep this a secret to ourselves. Pour me another, boy. That's classified. Five sips. Oh, my. I was unaware anything could taste this good. Oh, my goodness. Yes! Well, you know, I think those folks were just a little too close to home for me, Army. Were any of those folks arrested? (laughs) Surprised I wasn't. Seriously. We were were on the party deck in the amphitheater. We had our own bar. And the fact that I'm here today is a testament to my how much my wife dislikes me on Sunday. Bravely <laughs> <laughs> underestimate yourself. She unlike she doesn't like you every day. I'm just she, interested to see what Florida uh, rednecks look like. Oh, no, yeah, right? no, you're not. Oh, come on, Florida rednecks. I mean, we got the Tennessee rednecks, but I mean the Florida ones. N- no, I, I, I'm quite certain you do not want to see that. Okay, <laughs> do they go some out scary, and lasso scary. some alligators? Imagine people from Alabama with with uh, more gray hair. That's it. That's all you got to know. <laughs> hey, 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 I have been alligator hunting. Okay, come on. <laughs> he has a he has a uh, merit badge just for doing that. <laughs> well, uh, let's get right into uh, talking about some of the products we have today. I'm going to ask uh, our hosts as we go through these products uh, to um, introduce them, and then we're going to go around and taste and rate them. Up first, Bob is going to introduce Mortlock, 11 Year Force. All right, the Mortlock 11. Um, again, it's 11 years old, distilled in 2002, bottled in 2014 by Classic Cask, one of the independent bottlers and uh, the one that we're tasting today. Um, color, uh, light gold um, on the nose, uh, slightly smoky, a little bit of fresh fruit, melon, uh, freshly white bread, um, definitely a, a nutty aroma, a walnut or an almond. On the palate, uh, again, very fruity, very, uh, very up front and forward, raisins, toffee, a little bit of vanilla, a little bit of jam, slightly earthy. Um, the finish had a very long finish, um, slightly oily in, in, in the good sense, mouth coating feel to it. Um, this is only a 92 proof. It drinks uh, a good bit hotter than that. You'd, you'd think it was a little bit higher, maybe upwards of 100, but... Uh, Overall, uh, overall, a, a good solid dram. I gave it a three. A three. How about that? Interesting. Interesting. What was that again? Jason, what do you think about uh, Mortlock 11 here? Um, I'm with him. I would give it a sips rating of a three. I think it's a run-of-the-mill um, scotch. Uh, I said it was you know, fairly light. Um, it was slight peat, but not crazy peat. Um, you know, like I said, just kind of run of the mill, exactly what you would expect out of a scotch. Hmm. Well, sips rating a three. Interesting. Interesting. What was that again? Harmony, what do you think about Mortlock 11? Well, I liked it more than you guys did. Um, my notes here, I got baked apple on the nose, a little bit of plum, some brioche, and some gentle malt. I didn't get much of that uh, peat you guys were talking about. Very, very little. Big fruit on the palate. Uh, l- less apple on the palate, more pears. And I got some golden raisin. I believe they call them sultanas in England. So hmm. golden raisin, pear. And I agree with Bob. It tasted hotter than 92. But the oiliness and the long, complex finish really overcame that. And I gave it a four. Huh. How about that? Yeah, it had a very good finish. Let's keep it secret to ourselves. Pour me another. 
Uh, well, my tasting notes off Mortlock 11, um, I wrote down as kind of a smoky light. Um, I thought it just had a hint of peat on it. Um, a bit of some sweetness to it there. Um, I just I thought it was just okay. Uh, I don't think there was anything good or bad really kind of happening with this. My sips rating for Mortlock 11 is a 3. Interesting. Interesting. What was that again? Well, we're out of the shoot with the uh, first one there, so we'll keep on going around here. Next up is going to be Harmeet. He's going to cover Bunahaben 22. So, Bunahaben, this 22-year-old was bottled in 2013. The notes from the distiller say the color is deep amber and the nose is sweet, earthy, with remarkably fresh. No one ever says remarkably fresh since they're trying to sell it to you. Palette is, they say, flavors of pear, cashew, anisette, and juniper, and they say replenish is refreshing yet well-rounded. That's not what I got. Hmm. It is a 22-year-old, and Bunahabn is the most lightly peated of the of the uh, Isla whiskeys. So I wasn't expecting a you know kick me in the face peat, but the color was off, which is it. I didn't get deep amber; it was a light straw. So I was like, "Are we drinking the same whiskey that we got the notes for?" Well, in fact, all of these are nearly the identical color, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. Uh, I will go with the sweet, earthy um, nose. I got a slight bit of smoke, which was refreshing. Um, the peat came through on the finish of the palate. I didn't get the pear, but the cashews were really there. Really beautiful, nutty flavor to that. And there was some anisette. Um, I didn't really get the juniper either. And the it finish was good until the very end. It finished bitter for me, and I gave it a two. Wow, interesting. Well, isn't that nice? Hmm, nice, but what else do you have? Uh, Jason, what do you think about Bunahaben here? Um, I, my tasting notes was I thought it was a little grassy. Um, it was definitely very light on the peat. Um, and I'm going to go with Harmeet. The, the finish on it, it has a very spicy, bitter finish. Um, almost like uh, the kind of like the bitterness of like a bitter chocolate, but not quite that heavy. Um, I'm going to give it a sips rating of a three. Hmm. Three as well. Interesting. What was that again? Bob, what do you think about Bunahaben 22? Uh, on the palate, definitely just like Harm. I picked up the, the cashews, the nuts. Um, I definitely picked up the anisette, the, the licorice, the light smoke. And, and as he said, uh, Bunahaben is always one of the lighter Isla malts. Uh, malty, a little bit of oak. Um, I thought that it drank younger than a twenty-two. It, it, the it, good point. Good point. It's it's it, it it much younger than than its age was showing. Um, the finish. I I actually like the finish. Uh, I like the spice in the end, and and uh, I gave it I gave it a four. Huh. Interesting. That's Let's keep the secret to ourselves. Pour me another. Huh. Well, uh, my own tasting notes here on Bunahaben twenty-two. I actually wrote down deep peat, and that's a difference between big peat and deep peat. There was a layering component to this where, you know, I really felt like the flavor itself was big, but peat can just overwhelm, you know, the palate. And I don't know, there was just, that was the, the word that kind of struck me first was there was a depth, uh, you know, component uh, of the peat here that I wasn't tasting everything else. And 
I actually forgot this was an Isla whiskey uh, for a minute, and I, I should know. I mean, it's right there on the ocean, um, and uh, it's very characteristic of uh, some Islas. Although I would say that when you think about some of the other Isla um, scotches, it does not have uh, as much peat as you tend to think about, like from the uh, uh, Ardmores. Um, is it Ardmore? Ardmore, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are very, very peat. Those are big peat bombs. Um, Ardmore's on the ocean too. It's Western Highland. It's not Isla. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> or I'm thinking of Ardbeg. That's it. Ardbeg. I was thinking of Ardbeg. I'm sorry. I knew that's why it didn't sound right. Lagavulin, um, another one. Right. Yeah. And those are big peat bombs, but this one is not. Um, you know, I felt like there was. I, I really wanted to almost scrape my tongue. It felt like there was just there was something that was stuck to it um and in order to kind of it was chewy maybe was the right way of describing it um but you know the main thing i heard um when i was having this is i heard the bagpipes are blowing there wee laddie it was just firing up i hear scotland just coming right over the hills and it was just it was flowing right over the tongue and you know you had all this peat and all this fine scenery it was just wonderful um so my sips rating uh, for the Bunahaban 22 is actually a four as well. That's classified. You two broken inside. Yeah, <laughs> let's keep the secret. No, uh, keep the secret. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know. I yeah, in my Scotch and my Irish just you know uh, blend together. So I, I know those are two completely <laughs> different worlds. <laughs> yeah, I know. Go ahead. I'll bless myself. <laughs> Wee laddie, you're just not even getting it right. All right, so. Uh, Let's keep on uh, going right through some of these. Um, next up, Jason's going to cover uh, Bumore 11. Okay, so the Bumore 11 is uh, distilled in 2001. It's bottled in uh, 2013. Um, the distiller notes, or bottler notes, as we should say in this uh, segment, is ma- uh, mid-gold with green highlights for the color. Um, I disagree. I think it's light straw, like we've said. I think most of the ones we're tasting today are light straw. Um, the nose, they say, uh, creamy seaweed, smoke, and a nuttiness malt. Uh, the palate, they're saying, clean with smoke and malt notes. And then the finish, long, smoky finish. Um, the nose is definitely very smoky. You can definitely ta- uh, smell the uh, malt in it. Uh, when you taste it, uh, the thing I wrote and I underlined like nine times was it was very smoky. Um, I could definitely taste the smoke. It was almost like a cigar smoke. It had a little peppery to it. Um, the finish that they said, the long finish, I completely agree with. I think it did have a long finish. Um, I think that I had to go back to the water glass like four times to be able to taste the next couple scotches that we went to. Um, and I would overall, if you're into the smokiness, I would, I would give it a higher rating myself. I'm not into smoky that much. So I gave it a sips rating of a three, three. How about that? Hmm, Interesting. What was that again? Bob, what do you think about uh, the Bamor 11? Well, I've got to give them credit on uh, the tasting notes that uh, the producer puts out. Uh, the creamy seaweed, I absolutely picked that up immediately. Um, the nuttiness, definitely picked that up. Obviously, it's a Bamor, so there's smoke. Um, clean smoke, malt notes on the palate. Yeah, I mean, it's it's when you taste this, you know it's a Bamor. Um, you know what you're you know what you're getting when you get it. Uh, wonderful long lingering finish. Um, again, it's 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 a peated whiskey. If if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. If if you do like 
a good Isla, you know, if you do like a good peated whiskey, uh, you're not going to get much better than a Bamore. Uh, I gave it a four. Hmm. How about that? Let's keep the secret to ourselves. Pour me another. And Harmeet, what do you think about the Bamore 11? I was really impressed by this. Um, I thought it tasted older than 11 years. Uh, the color Def- is right. The, the producer notes are dead on. Creamy seaweed, smoke, nutty maltiness. I love that all of all. Uh, when I added some water, the the um, the nose was got even more interesting, and the the palate was you know less interesting than the nose. I thought the nose was the the blockbuster here. The finish was long and smoky, exactly like they say. And one thing about Bowmore, 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 I never know how to say it. <laughs> hey, buzz me, do it. Do it now. <laughs> we were waiting for that buzz. <laughs> I wanted to say Bowmore also, so I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> but you know what? The, the Japanese, uh, Suntory owns Bowmore. So I say, go ahead and call it Bowmore. So like, you know, Bowmore. <laughs> <laughs> and... Oh, the, buzz him now. Yeah. Buzz him now. But I think he but hung he, out too much with the rednecks last rednecks. night. He should have used that one in our Japanese episode. Yeah. <laughs> so but Bamor is or Bamor is 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 known for this this taste of violets and earthiness. And it's gotta be the casts they use because this didn't display any of this and classic casts, you know, chooses their own American hogheads for these t- hogsheads to uh to to age this whiskey and it wasn't in sh- I don't think this was in sherry cask at all right there, there was no sherry who had the tasting notes for the, uh, the I bottle? don't know you don't know the, I don't they they didn't use the same kind of casks no, so there not. wasn't that characteristic uh, not just deep earthy violets that you get with most Bowmores so I found this refreshing and really interesting and I gave it a five wow how about that oh my goodness <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh my, I was not aware anything could be this good. Yeah, that's very interesting. Well, my own tasting notes here uh, on Bomar 11. Um, I kind of wrote down it was middle of the road. Uh, I thought it was sweet. Um, I thought that it was hitting a taste uh, range that I thought would be have a lot of wide appeal. Uh, I really, it was, it almost tasted like something that had been manufactured for a mass market. In fact, I wrote down the word mass market scotch. Um, I'm sure that's highly insulting to the producer of this, but um, <laughs> to me, I'm I'm offended now. Gave <laughs> <laughs> mm. it a five, man. I know, no, it is good. Um, I think that it is the sweet essence that's coming off this, almost like picking up some apples, you know, or so, something like that. You know, kind of coming sure off this same studio. Could I show that you, you probably picked the wrong glass? So. <laughs> No, I did not. I'm quite certain of that. Uh, you know, I did like this, uh, and I and I do like the fact that I think that it's a great uh, product that I think will uh, appeal to a very broad range of people. This would be something that I would give like to an uncle that does never doesn't really know a whole lot about scotch. This might be a choice that I would give uh, to you know maybe somebody that doesn't really drink a whole lot of scotch. She's been pounding Johnny Walker and Fireball for, you know, the last 20 years. <laughs> See how I slipped that in right there, Jason? <laughs> Got that. So my, my SIPs rating. 
I, I mentioned your name in Fireball the, in, I, like the same 30 seconds, man. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, My Sips rating for Bamor 11 is a 3. Interesting. Um, so uh, a broad range of uh, ratings there. And, I, you know, very different tasting notes kind of all the way around. So uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, that's what I love about, you know, all f- you know, all four of us sitting here is that we never... Sometimes, we, you know, we have a very like or similar experience but your your palate can definitely drift you know uh, between these products as well but i'm with her meat i actually just picked up the wrong stupid glass so <laughs> that was dumb and i'm not gonna do it again <laughs> well uh there's definitely something we need for the show other than just some more balmore and i definitely know what it is i have more cowbell baby <laughs> guess what i got a fever and the only prescription it's more cowbell. The lamest cowbell I could possibly find. All right, well, let's charge right into our next product, which uh, Harmeet is going to introduce. It's the Glen Keith 11. Glen Keith 11. Um, 20. It says 20. I'm yeah, it's 20 here. Yeah, oh, I'm a, sorry. And I've 20. said that all along. It is Glen Keith 20. Yeah, yeah. I was like, see, I told you you're doing the wrong whiskeys. Uh, yep. So that's a dumb and I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> I'm going to read the producer notes, which I think I don't agree with, but I'm going to let you know what the, what they said. That uh, the color is honey gold. I didn't find that. The nose nuances of cherry color, heather, and earthy tones. The palate has flavors of Earl Grey tea. And finish is long, smooth, and warming. Now, what I actually got, the color was uh, pale straw, not honey gold. Very pale straw, definitely. Right. Uh, I did not get any cherry cola, but the heather and the earthy tones, yeah, dead on. Perfect. But what I also got was new leather. Uh, not like saddle leather, not something. It's just like that that new leather glove. That I got that in there. Uh, and there was a touch of burnt sugar at the end as well. And on the palate, it wasn't Earl Grey tea. And I found that offensive. I like Earl Grey tea. This was black tea. This was tea, but it wasn't that. It was that the, the same tannins that were giving that new leather smell or giving that, that tea on, black tea on the palate. A little bit of honey br- uh, came out with the water and some spice. And the finish was long. I wouldn't say smooth and warm. It was long. And I only gave it a two. Hmm. Well, isn't that nice? Fine, fine. I can't believe you took pick one over the other. You know the difference between black tea and Earl Grey tea? You have <laughs> no a- idea. What is tea to begin <laughs> with? You are from the you're wrong from country. You country. don't know anything about tea. I have no idea <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> don't you start talking about tea with me. That's right. Let me think. Right. Orange Pico is the best damn leaf tea you can get. But this whole Earl Grey, that's not even tea. It's the oil of bergamot. That you did citrus in your tea. This all messed up. It wasn't there in the flavor. So, uh, Jason, um, you're up next. What do you think about the Glen Keith 20? I'm going to get it right this time. So, um, I'm tasting it again right now. So... I think it's light, but the finish is very hot. I think this drinks hotter uh, than the proof calls for. Um, I'm with you uh, with the, uh, 
It's not Earl Grey tea. I think it's very darker than that. It's a lot heavier than fine, that. Fine, fine. I hear you don't like black tea. I hear you. <laughs> um, and I, I will tell you that I reached for my water glass after this one. I was not a fan of it. I sloshed out my mouth just to get rid of the flavor. It, it kind of just stuck there. I do not have a rating for that. So I'm going to give it a uh, Sips rating of a one. I was not wow. a fan. <laughs> give me a glass of water to wash out my mouth. Mm. Didn't think that would be in this lineup. <clears throat> uh, good old boy Bob, would you or Made Man Bob? I'm sorry. What do you think about uh, the Glen Keith Twenty? Well, I don't drink Fireball, so I think Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I didn't pick up the Cherry Cola. I di- I did pick up the Heather. I did pick up the Earth. Uh, Harm and I were just good. We did. I did pick up the New Leather. Um, I picked up a, a a faint molasses back end, not sweet, but the 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 burnt sugar flavor. A um, little bit of the honey and spice in the back of the palate. Uh, a long finish, uh, decent finish. I gave it a three. Hmm. How about that? Interesting. And interesting. What was that again? In my own tasting notes here on the Glen Keith Twenty, I wrote down. Uh, well, what I wrote down and then what I tasted are something different. So I'm gonna keep with what I. I actually had smelled a lot of rye. Or just something that was very spicy and very peppery, um, very earthy. Um, I actually wrote down the word bright. I really thought this was just something that was kind of amped up. Um, it's been sitting in the glass here for a little bit, so it's, it's uh, caught some more air and oxygen. And um, I guess the thing that caught me is it has a lot more floral uh, quality to it now that it's kind of been in the glass. And uh, I didn't catch that on the nose earlier. So that that peppery you know, rye thing that I caught when we kind of first poured that i don't mm-hmm. at least i don't t- i don't see that on the nose anymore um and it's a bit more approachable uh, now it's kind of been sitting there in the glass for a little while i don't know maybe an hour or something it's been sitting here i'm gonna take another swig real quick mm. yeah the <clears throat> that that rye component is still there and i know it's not rye it just has that you know same essence to it i know you guys are screaming on the other end <laughs> every time i please stop saying the word rye mike uh but it uh there's definitely some type of a uh, spicy you know peppery thing there uh going for this i actually like this and the floral overtone to it i think is kind of brought this back around uh i'm actually going to kick up my rating for this i wrote down three i actually like it a lot better now it's been sitting here and i'm going to give it a four that's so let's keep the secret to ourselves. Pour me another. Um, so, you know, very interesting kind of all the way around uh, for that. Well, we've covered uh, some products and uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Jason's going to go over and pour some Earl Grey tea and Fireball together. <laughs> Check that out. <laughs> and we'll be right back. Welcome back. That last hit tune was called the Earl of Essex Gilliard. 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 (laughs) I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) On Celestial Loot Classics with Dimitri. (laughs) Isn't the Earl of Grey? I know, yeah. Hey, welcome back to Sip, Suds, and Smokes. 
Uh, we have a Sips episode today. We're actually going over a series of products from the Classic Cask. Really interesting flight of products to talk about. We've been going through each one of these. We have one more product that we're going to go through here. It is the Glenn Lossy 21, and Jason's going to introduce this product for us. Yeah, so this product is 21 years old. It was distilled in 1992 and bottled in uh, 2013. Um, so the uh, Classic Cast notes on this product, it says color is uh, 24 karat gold. and Exactly. I mean, like all the other ones we've <laughs> it's tried, it's straw. definitely pale straw. Um, they say the nose is tropical fruits and cotton candy, palette of flavors of licorice, faint smoke. I'm sorry, and I didn't spices. mean to hit that button. You cannot use the word cotton candy and scotch in my show, okay? <laughs> that dominate, uh, it says the finish is smooth, semi dry. Um, so, the one thing I do agree with is um, there's definitely faint smoke, there's definitely a lot of spice. Um, the flavor of the licorice, I don't know if it's really licorice that I'm tasting. It's more of a like a bitter, earthy taste. I guess that's kind of licorice, but it didn't really get there for me. Um, it's definitely very light on the smoke. Um, it does have some sweet qualities to it. Um, you know, I, I think this is this is a solid three for me. It's nothing crazy special. It's not horrible. It's definitely palatable. But yeah, I'm going to give it a sips rating of a three. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. What was that again? Uh, Bob, what did you think about the Glen Lucy 21? Uh, on the nose, I definitely did pick up the tropical fruit. Um, and on the palate, the, the very faint smoke. Uh, you, you know, with a Glen Lucy, you're not going to expect a heavy smoke. Um, spices, pepper, uh, baking spice on the end. Uh, a slightly dry finish, uh, but but a, a, a decent finish. Uh, I gave it a three. Hmm. Interesting. 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 What was that again? Harmy, what do you think about the Glen Lucy 21? I'm with you guys so far. Tropical fruit. I got papaya, banana. That cotton candy was a sweetness. I don't know if I'd call it cotton candy. But I've you know, heard cotton candy is a description for some Chardonnay. <laughs> I'm sorry. People I didn't are, hit that so quick. <laughs> <laughs> so when but, you're talking cotton candy, is it blue cotton candy or is it red <laughs> cotton candy? <laughs> blue cotton candy is an abomination of harmless cotton candy. <laughs> it's creepy. <laughs> I agree. Creepy. That's a new. That's a new tasting. Uh, food. It's Cotton candy is clown hair. Yeah. <laughs> Down here in South Florida, old lady hair. Yeah. Um, We've made radio history once again, folks. If you're just joined us, we're talking about blue cotton candy and scotch. <laughs> Don't eat blue food. That's <laughs> and so I got the tropical notes. There was a sweetness on the nose. Um, the flavor was not licorice. There was a spice to it. The the smoke was great. Uh, yeah, but it's faint. And I go with Bob baking spices. You know, it's like a kind of blend of cinnamon, mace, and uh, what a clove. Clove. The clove wasn't overpowering. It was yeah. just, it was interesting. And um, the. The finish was smooth and kind of drying, and I gave it a three. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. What was that again? <clears throat> well, um, so, uh, Harmeet, I want you to try and channel one of those individuals that you spent last evening with, and I'd like for you to do your best impersonation of them tasting the Glen Lucy. I'm going to do that. I'm going to toss it to you after I finish mine. So, <clears throat> uh, my own tasting notes here. 
on the Glen Lucy 21. I wrote down, it has what I, uh, sometimes I read my own tasting notes. I'm like, I don't know what you meant, Mike. Uh, round, a very roundness to it. Um, it still has that kind of rye spice or some pepper, you know, kind of thing going on. Um, even as I tasted it again here in the glass. <clears throat> this was the only one I picked up any vanilla with. I thought it was a tad sweet. Um, I thought the sweetness off this was not cotton candy. I'm not going to say that on my own show again. <laughs> I actually wrote down honeysuckle because I thought there was a bit more of a, a floral component to it. Um, it reminded me of a magnolia flower was, you know, kind of the floral component that was coming off this. So, um, a very uh, interesting product. Uh, my sips rating for the Glen Lucy 21 is going to be a three. Interesting. Hmm, interesting. What was that again? All right. Appearing now live on Sip, Sudden and Smokes is going to be good old boy Harmeet channeling one of the individuals he met last night at the concert reviewing Glen Lucy 21. Take it away. Good old boy Harmeet. When my granddaddy would, you know, take the tracker through the, the fields and he, he might hit a, a log and that log would fly through the air and splash into the pond and water would come back from that <laughs> splash of water and hit me in the face or in his face. I, my granddaddy's tail. I've, I've lost the thread of this whole thing. I'm sorry. But um, that that dirty water with that oak this this ain't no evan williams my son there's there no sugar in here where's my fireball there is no cinnamon in there is no sweetness this is scotch what the heck is this <laughs> oh man that was awesome i'm telling you that was just <clears throat> You know, I knew that uh, there was a moment that you needed to uh, exercise or have some exorcism of the, you know, full experience that you had last night. And I think that that's going to help you to move on from that experiment. And I was looking at her disapprovingly the whole night. (laughs) Well, um, just uh, really great stuff all around. Let's wrap up our episode for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and catch all of our episodes online as well on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, PRX, and Spreaker, our native media host. Oast. Oast. Oast? Yeah, right. <clears throat> more, Where's that buzzer? Yeah, we're, yeah. <laughs> more Bruno Hobbin at Table 6. <laughs> uh, where was I? Yeah, iTunes and our own Android app are the easiest ways to enjoy this show on your phone. Just search for Sip, Sud, Smoke on iTunes or in the Google Play Store. Well, we love your feedback, and you can reach us online anytime at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our daily tasting notes flow out on Twitter every single day at Smokes, and our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. Hey, if you're catching this show live in our regular order of broadcast, we'll have a contest to give away a full flight of tasting samples from this show so you can taste exactly the same thing that we had on this show. We'll have a contest that will be announced on our Facebook page. It'll be pretty simple. You'll probably just have to do something rather unusual, take a picture of it, and send it to us on email. What are you thinking? I'm thinking I a uh, picture of blue cotton candy with scotch. <laughs> <laughs> with a fireball chaser. Thinking jackass number three. 
<laughs> something like that. Well, we'll have a lot of fun with it. Just watch for our announcement on Facebook. It'll probably wrap up right around Thanksgiving. Um, but uh, if you're catching this show out of sequence, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And you'll catch some of these products uh, online as well or at your favorite retailer. Listen, do us a favor and take this rep- the <laughs> tape this rep- uh, more Bruno Hoppin, table three. <laughs> do a favor and take the time to rate this episode if you're listening to us online. That's a great big help to us, and we get to see your feedback as well. Do not rate any of my diction, okay? <laughs> you suck. <laughs> suck that Japanese. Yeah, you suck a very good. <laughs> hey, listen, this episode is of uh, Sip, Suds, and Smokes is sponsored by really great folks at Fine Spirits. Check out the Enomatic Machines with Grandma Linda <laughs> and sample some great products by the glass, including great selections of bourbon and whiskey. You can reach them online anytime at www.finespirits.net. Well, uh, we've had a great time tasting these products. And uh, Bob, I know that we were able to actually get these samples directly from the, uh, the bottler themselves at Spirit Imports. And uh, it was really great. I want to give them a shout out, a thank you, and I know you know them personally. Oh yeah, very very good friend of mine. And like I said, there his office is about a mile from my house, so I spend as much time there as I can. Well, I look forward to tasting more products from Spirit Imports, maybe on some future shows. So it was really great to have them here. So uh, I know you guys hang out with the Bourbon Mafia as well. Tell our audience anything you'd like about the Bourbon Mafia. Uh, we're a high-end group of uh, bourbon aficionados uh, who try to do as much as we can for the public through our charitable work. So you can check us out at bourbonmafia.org. I think they're blue cotton candy aficionados secretly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. They, they eat a lot of blue cotton candy and drink a lot of Fireball. We could have probably used some. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank my co-host for being here today. Uh, Made Man Bob, thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure. And good old boy, Harmeet. I don't have a tagline, but I'll come up with one. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just did. There you go. Well, good old boy, Jason. Thank you for being here. <laughs> good to be here. <laughs> well, this is <laughs> good old boy, Mike. Thank you once again for joining us and to keep on sipping. This has been a One Tan Hand production of Sip, Suds, and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your hosts, the good old boys, will see you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>